Thank you. We are a potluck people in more ways than one. I'm thankful for the, the gifts that only our kids can bring. So y'all bring something special to the table. Thank you. Um, usually I'm walking around and getting to preach with my iPad, but my iPad is in Alabama right now. Um, Pastor Valerie and the boys uh, went off for Thanksgiving yesterday, and I thought it was more important for their 12-hour car ride that they have the iPad than that I do. So um, let's pray. Loving God, help us in this time to hear and accept your invitation. By your spirit, speak to us, transform us, make us joyfully generous, courageous, full of hospitality like you. Don't let our excuses cause us or others to miss out on all the goodness that you want to share. So speak now. Your servants are listening. We want to not only hear, but to do your will. Amen. What would you do if you threw a party and nobody showed up? In Luke 14, we see Jesus' answer. The answer is throw a bigger party and invite more people. Last year, you may have heard uh, the story of Teddy Mazzini's sixth birthday went viral. His mom asked him, do you want to go to Disneyland? Do you want to go to Legoland? Or do you want to have a birthday party with, his, with your friends? And he said, I want to have a birthday party with my friends. A pizza party. And so two weeks in advance, they sent out invitations to all his kindergarten classmates. And Teddy's mom got all the goodie bags and the balloons and everything ready, booked the room, ordered the pizzas. Uh, one person had RSVP'd no, but several people had RSVP'd yes, and they were expecting a, a good crowd. But then the day came, and nobody showed up for Teddy's sixth birthday. And Teddy was a good sport, and he still had a good time. His dad had flown in from out of town. Uh, but mom, who had put in a lot of time and money, she was miffed. So she posted on Facebook, in the spur of the moment, this is maybe not the best way to post on Facebook, but she posted on Facebook uh, a picture of Teddy alone, surrounded by tons of pizzas and balloons. But somehow this, this picture got picked up in the local media, and by the next day there were all these gifts and invitations pouring in. And so uh, he was in, in Tucson, Arizona, and um, the Phoenix Suns tweeted to Teddy, and they said, come celebrate your birthday with thousands of people. We've got tickets and pizza for you at Friday's game. I love the story, too, of a wedding reception in Boston in 1990. The bride and groom, right, had picked out their expensive china and silver, flowers and multi-course meal. And then on the very day that the announcements were supposed to go out, the invitations, the groom-to-be broke it off. So devastated, right? The bride goes to this fancy downtown hotel. We have a few around here. Uh, bride goes to a fancy ho downtown hotel to ask for a refund, and their wedding coordinator, their Megan, wherever she is, the wedding coordinator says, you know, I'm so sorry. The same thing happened to me with a broken engagement. I wish I could help you, but I can't. 
So I can either give you $1,300 back or you can go ahead with the $13,000 meal that you planned. So the hurt bride, she could have been embarrassed and quietly taken her 10% of her money back and swallowed the rest, but she knew what she wanted to do. Ten years later, this woman had been homeless. And so she sent out invitations all over town to shelters and rescue missions. And so it was that this exclusive downtown ballroom was transformed for one night. Waiters in tuxedos, tails, brought hors d'oeuvres and champagne to folks whose shopping carts were parked outside. Walkers and wheelchairs cut a rug on that dance floor with the big band taking requests. And when the main course came, the bride had changed the main course so that she could accommodate more people. And so they served boneless chicken in honor of the groom, she said. <laughs> this bride, this mom, they're a lot like Jesus, who reveals to us that God is going to throw a huge party where all are invited come hell or high water. Today we're wrapping up our four-week series on generosity, and we've been talking about all the ways that Jesus cooks up this unlikely meal for this ragtag band of misfits and marginalized folks. Those Jesus people, they keep eating with unclean tax collectors and sinners. The accusation keeps coming. You say, feed this crowd, but we only have a few loaves and fish, the reluctant disciples as food runners say. How can this down-and-out woman be so wastefully extravagant, so prodigal in her anointing Jesus at a Pharisee's table? In meals throughout Luke's gospel, and there are a lot of them, we've seen how we, like Jesus himself, we who follow Jesus with gifts that God gave us freely and lavishly, we are called to be like this bread and cup that becomes Jesus' life and body for us and in us at communion each week. We are gathered to God and each other. We are blessed as we learn to do what Jesus does. We are broken so we can bring ourselves just as we are and then God's grace delivers abundance even in and through our lack. And then finally, we and our gifts are shared, given away so that more people might be gathered at God's table. And then the cycle begins again and spirals bigger and bigger and multiplies across cultures and generations for 2,000 years now. So with these meals we've seen and many more, Luke wants to make one thing abundantly clear. The realm and the reign of God, we like to say around here, the kingdom of God, the place where God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven, that place and that people is like a great feast. The whole story of God could be summed up as a kind of food diary or maybe a food photo on Instagram. Leonard Sweet has this book, uh, From Tablet to Table, and it says that God's always wanted not so much to give us a book of laws, but to give us a community that met around a table. He says we should summarize the whole Bible as this story about this journey with food. The Old Testament, in three sentences, he summarizes, they tried to kill us, we survived, let's eat. <laughs> the New Testament, in three sentences, I love you. I forgive you. Let's eat. You divine the gospel in one short sentence, he says. Jesus ate good food with bad people. 
In Luke 14, Jesus says, here's the right way to throw a dinner party. Invite those who can't repay you. Invite with no strings attached. Invite simply because you want to be with people. Invite because you might grow by being with an unexpected dinner partner. Invite because this meal is so good and there's more than enough to share. And there's more than enough to share even while people close by are hungry. Invite unconditionally, he says, because that's the way that you were invited. Invite people who are not your, invite people who are your equals. Not people you see as a project or an agenda. Then Jesus tells this parable about this host who invited many to a great banquet. But people kept giving the servant, right? Who's extending the invitations, giving lots of excuses. First two excuses are economic. They're job related. I just bought this field. I bought five yoke of oxen. I have work to do. And what's more, I have plenty of stuff on my own. You know, sometimes our stuff, our self-sufficiency can get in the way of us experiencing all the fullness of everything that God wants to share with us. Some of us just have too much stuff. And we need some generosity and some simplicity in our lives for the sake not just of others, but for our own sakes. God wants to share something much better and fuller and bigger with us. All of God's kingdom abundance in community with others but here we are and we can't get to the table because we think that we have enough or maybe we have too much over here on our own. And then there's this third excuse, a, a relationship that keeps us from the gift of hospitality into new relationships. Getting married seems like a great excuse and would have been seen as a valid one in Jesus' culture. But even our good rationales And our excuses, again, even good reasons can keep us from receiving something that's even more and better. Why not bring this new spouse along? Experience the feast together. So often we don't think in terms of how can I say yes to this invitation? And we tend toward all these things are forcing me to say no to the invitations we get from God and from people. So what are our obstacles from saying yes to God's dinner invitation to this party? Before we invite others to the table, I I think we ourselves need to experience God's grace and God's provision here. Grace overflows into thanksgiving, and that overflows into a desire for others to experience just how good this good news is. What's keeping us, friends, from saying yes? I'm busy. I'm overstretched. I don't have enough time or money or resources or talent. I'm scared of what might happen if I surrender my will and let Jesus guide me. I'm too good for this meal. I don't really need it. I'm not good enough for this meal. How could someone like me be God's beloved guest? Once we start to experience the goodness of this meal, we want to share it with others. In the parable, after the head of the household has invited the poor and the crippled, the lame and the blind, we find out there is still room. Do we believe there's still room? Room for more. That the meal gets better the more we share it. There's so much good here. More than I need or could want for myself. God wants God's house to be full. Do we? 
So many churches have chosen to be an exclusive club, and then they wonder why no one comes. But not Travis Park. I love how we take open doors and open table seriously. And we live it. We don't apologize that it's subversive and scary sometimes, and it stretches us. But we try to live out God's invitation that says, you know, if you're going to be part of this Jesus movement, this love revolution, here's what it's going to look like, and here's who you're going to do it with. Diverse. But we're holding this in common. We're all hungry people in need of grace, learning to share that grace together. So over these past weeks, we've gotten to hear many stories of why people are giving generously, sacrificially, extravagantly to the work of our church. We've heard lots of reasons. Why? Because God commands it. God's commands are good. I was trained. I was brought up to give this way. Or because when I give, I learn gratitude and simplicity. I learn trust and self-control. I learn community and mission and hospitality. My heart follows my treasure, Jesus says, and I want my heart to be more like God's heart. Maybe, maybe we give, some of us have said, because we stand on a rich legacy and we want to continue to pass on all that we receive freely from the generations before us. Maybe we give because we want to participate in what God is doing. You know, sometimes I can be a part of God's work with my money alongside my presence and my talents. Or maybe I could even extend myself to places that I couldn't otherwise be because my resources are there. And I can be part of God making a new meal happen there where I couldn't physically be day by daily bread. So many churches, you know, it's one of the strange blessings of these last few weeks since the roof collapse has been to see how many churches and people have come alongside us. You know, that first Sunday, the mayor said, Travis Park Church has been here for the city, and now the city's going to be here for Travis Park Church. And they gave Corazon Ministries a $1 a month lease uh, so that our four meals per week could continue at the Migrant Resource Center over by the bus station, including this morning. And then Laurel Heights, the second Sunday, Laurel Heights UMC said, we're going to cancel our early service so that you can have All Saints Sunday here with our organ and with a hospitality spread for all of you. Yesterday, Shirts and Spring Creek churches sent these big teams to help with our work day, sweating on a, Sunday, on, a, on a Saturday morning and filling up these two huge dumpsters out in the parking lot. Churches across San Antonio and South Texas and beyond have sent in thousands of dollars to help us, churches that don't have a lot sometimes. And I get that, that gets me re-energized and refocused to give because I get excited when I see other people excited to give. Are you that way? I see people passionate and making sacrifices because they not only believe in what we've done already, but they believe in what we're going to do. So what are we going to do? I've said it before, I believe we're building a school for love. We enroll ourselves We become the faculty and staff. We enroll others. You know, what are we going to do? I think it basically comes down to this. Feed more people. Feed people more. I want us to be having more meals. 
more meals with each other and with our neighbors, meals around a table where we can ask real questions that matter, talk about the gifts and the struggles of authentic faith. I want us to have, I want more of us to get to come around tables in all our diversity. I want the 30,000 Corazon meals that we, that we serve each year, I want that to be us meals, community meals, not charity meals. We all need to eat, right? We can all be blessed in Bible study Thursday and Friday, in recovery circles. We can learn from one another there. I want more opportunities for us to share about our real internal struggles, hard parts of life, and to share about the public good and our place in it. We could share over tables like at Pub Theology on a Wednesday night. And I want to expand and multiply those opportunities. I want us to share meals in our homes with each other, where we don't just invite the people that we already know or like, but we have little dinner church for neighbors and coworkers and folks who are hungry for community and meaning, hungry for this different world that starts around a table. I know that I want to bring what I can to be a part of a movement, to be part of a meal like that. I know that I want for me and my family and my gifts to be gathered and blessed, broken and shared so that I could experience this and we can draw the circle wide and ever wider of this table. There is still room and I believe I'll be blessed when I can make room for and eat with and learn from and grow with new people. So the kingdom of God is like a potluck. We're going to share a potluck downstairs after worship today to celebrate all that God has generously given us and celebrate the ways that we get to share it with one another. The kingdom of God is a potluck. It's not a serving line in a soup kitchen. It becomes a party because each person brings something unique that only they can bring. It wouldn't be the same at a potluck if you weren't there. So what are you going to bring? What are you going to bring? We all touch the offering plate. I love this Travis Park tradition. We touch the offering plate as it goes by to remember that we all have something to give. And what God wants is nothing less than our whole selves. So how can we give our time? How can we share our talents? How can we give by showing up? How can we say yes to all of God's invitation and not miss out on an awesome party? How might you stretch yourself with what you give financially? Uh, we want everybody, uh, if, if, if this is your home, whether you're a member or not, um, if, if this is a place that you're invested and, and want to grow in your connection here and your service here, we want everybody to turn in a pledge card. So in your bulletin, uh, there's an envelope and you can, and with a card, and you can put that in the offering plate today or you can mail it to us. And uh, I, I never will blame anybody for being on their phone during worship because they might be taking really good notes. Um, but right now, I especially, I want you to take out your phone. And I think we have um, a, a link that you can go to because this year you can also submit your pledge card online. So you could even go there right now. This is also in your, in your um, Travis Park newsletter this week. 
bit.ly slash 2RG capital J SV7. And you can turn in your pledge online. So friends, commit to bring something. Bring something to the party. It's good for you and it's good for others. Even if that something is $5 per week that you weren't giving before. What is the next step, the next good step? What's the stretch for you? If it's $5 per week, the cost of a latte or a sandwich, I hope that you can say, I want to say yes to the invitation from God. I want to be part of this great dinner party, not just to receive it, but I want to help give it away. So mainly today, friends, I want to say thank you. Because it's your giving that makes Travis Park Church this awesome party where all are invited, where all are welcome, where all are learning to share their gifts and their voices. I'm excited about new voices we get to hear today. The Alamo City Street Choir is going to be with us. That's part of our Corazon community. And um, I'm so grateful for that gift of song that will be with us. I'm grateful to get to share food uh, downstairs in the Pollock. It's kind of a, a reopening of um, our downstairs uh, fellowship hall space. Um, I'm excited because together we bring our gifts. And so it's your gifts, it's our gifts that makes this a place, a community, a Jesus party that's different from the world's parties. I'll close with this. Uh, you may have seen it before. Uh, these words were shared about Our Lady of Lourdes Catholic community in Daytona Beach, Florida. It was in their bulletin. But I think these words could be about us. And I just want to say today that I'm so glad that I get to give my gifts alongside yours. And I get to be a part of this party with you. So may our giving extend this kind of invitation. Their bulletin read, we extend a special welcome to those who are single, married, divorced, gay, filthy rich, dirt poor, yo no habla inglés. We extend a special welcome to those who are crying newborn, skinny as a rail, or could afford to lose a few pounds. We welcome you if you can sing like Andrea Bocelli or like our pastor who can't carry a note in a bucket. You're welcome here if you're just browsing, just woke up, or just got out of jail. We don't care if you're more Catholic than the Pope or if you haven't been in church since little Joey's baptism. We extend a special welcome to those who are over 60 but not grown up yet and to teenagers who are growing up too fast. We welcome soccer moms and NASCAR dads, starving artists, tree huggers, latte sippers, vegetarians, junk food eaters. We welcome those who are in recovery and those who are still addicted. We welcome you if you're having problems or if you're down in the dumps or if you don't like organized religion. We've been there too. If you blew all your offering money at the dog track, you're welcome here. We offer a special welcome to those who think the earth is flat, who work too hard, who don't work, who can't spell, or are here because grandma is in town and wanted to go to church. We welcome those who are inked, pierced, or both. We offer a special welcome to those who could use a prayer right now, who had religion shoved down your throat as a kid. We welcome those who got lost in traffic and wound up here by mistake. We welcome tourists, seekers, doubters, bleeding hearts, and you. Let's pray. God, we thank you.
You've invited us to abundant life with you and one another around your table at this great dinner party. So God, help us say yes to your invitation. Help us give so that others might experience this party as well. Help us feed more people and feed people more in Jesus' name and by his strength and with all these gifts that are not our own, but yours. Amen.